It's the American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 Minutes podcast. I'm your host, John Arnold, joined by two phenomenal panelists today in Richmond, Virginia, RVA. It's Daryl Grove. What's up, Daryl? Hey, John, I'm impressed that you knew the uh, the shortened version of Richmond. That's like when Richmond's trying to be hipster and cool, we call ourselves RVA. Wow, well, I'm certainly up on all the coolest names for cities and up in <laughs> NYC. Noah Davis, what's up, Noah? Uh, I'm actually in BK, John, Big Brooklyn. So Big close. Brooklyn. All right. So like well, a whole different, it would be the third biggest city in the whole world. If you've never listened to the show before and haven't immediately it turned it off at the sound of Noah's voice, the way this works is we have three <laughs> categories. Those categories are real prompts, and our panelists debate those prompts. We wrap it all up in about 10 or 15 minutes because we know you've got stuff to do, like figuring out what to call your city and what the coolest hashtag is on Instagram. Uh, today's categories are, guys, I know it's like kind of a cliche that everyone, oh, 2016 was so bad. But I've had a pretty bad 2016 as well. So today, I'm just trying to get in the holiday spirit already. Today, it's all about the holidays. The categories are Cup of Cheer, Days Being Merry and Bright, and The Christmas Boy, Cup of Cheer, Days Being Merry and Bright, and The Christmas Boy. Let's go to RVA for Daryl's pick. What's up, Daryl? Uh, let's go with a Cup of Cheer. That's a good way to start the day. Yeah, a pretty simple one on this. Uh, on this, it's MLS Cup Saturday, which should bring plenty of cheer. There's a number of U.S. internationals on each side: Althor and Bradley, the big names for Toronto. Mr. Jordan Morris leading the line for Seattle. Who lifts the cup at the end and has plenty of cheer? Daryl, who comes out on top and wins the MLS title? Oh, that's, it's a really tough question because I've spent the week debating this, like with Taylor, with sort of guests on the show, and no one knows. So re- honestly, I'm just going to be picking one at random if I tell you Seattle Sanders. Okay, great. Do you have nothing behind that? Or you just feel like maybe they have more momentum? Or I mean, it kind of weirdly feels like their year because they've maybe done, you know how like Portland sort of figured it out right towards the back end of last season and went on this yeah. tear? I kind of feel like the same thing happened with Seattle, except it's, you know, it's Schmetzer and it's Nico Ladero. And actually the one thing, um, if we want to get more tactical, um, we talked in the studio on Total Soccer Show about like, how do you stop Nico Ladero? We've asked Alexi Lalas, how do you stop Nico Ladero? We've asked Matt Doyle, how do you stop Nico Ladero? Nobody knows. Kick him in the shins. Done. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I, right, think so Toronto, I think yeah. Toronto's going to win. Uh, I think I love them at home. Uh, they have my single favorite MLS player, former podcast guest, Clint Irwin. That's right. Uh, I think, you know, Josie's been great. Uh, I think Bradley is determined to win this thing for some strange reason. Uh, uh, it <laughs> seems like he's like really super pumped about this, um, which he's always very intense, but it kind of cracks me up. Uh, I think the home field advantage is a big thing. I, I think uh, Daryl's right about Seattle coming in. It's been a while, though, since they've played. I feel like the layoff has maybe killed a little bit, a little bit of that momentum. Uh, cross-country flight is going to be tough, so I'm going to take Toronto for no real good reason either. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about this is it seems like both of these teams are, are sort of on that Portland thing. For me, at least, Daryl, you know, you mentioned, and not even that Portland thing. I mean, this is something that's happened in MLS and in all playoff history when you look at across yeah. all sports. Like, the, a team gets hot at the right time. But both of these teams have been the hot teams in their conference. They're on this collision course. For me, I, I love Drew Moore. I just don't really love Nick Haglund and Zavaleta around him. I think that Seattle might be able to to get with, with the combination of Lodero and Morris and maybe even Valdez. I, I like Seattle to score a couple goals in this one. I think Toronto will score as well because their attack is really good. But I think you saw against Montreal some of the vulnerabilities um, that they might have at the back. So I'm going to take Seattle and I'm just throwing that in as the moderator pick because <laughs> that's what you get on ASN in 10 or 15 minutes, a little bonus. No, you want uh, Days Being Merry and Bright or The Christmas Boy? 
Man, uh, the Christmas Boy, please. This is actually a really poorly named category on my part because I'm going to ask you for Player of the There's Year winners. Hey, come on. <laughs> Let's see you do this. I can't wait till you host this next year. All right, all right. Sorry, sorry. Christmas Spirit. Uh, the Player of the Year nominees are out for both genders, Christmas Boy and I guess we could say Christmas Girl. Uh, Noah, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, Jeff Cameron, Clint Dempsey, Bobby Wood are the men's side nominees. Crystal Dunn, Tobin Heath, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, and Becky Sauerbrunn for the women. No, give me your picks for each, and you better defend them because we're coming hard if you come in weak. Uh, for the men, I'm going to go with Jeff Cameron. Uh, he's definitely not going to win and probably should not be the pick, but I think he did. Uh, I think good that defense, team is good a good start. Uh, he's a defender, and I think the team is much better with him back there. Uh, it had, uh, you know, he had 12, 12 appearances, played every minute at Copa America, uh, started all six matches of the semifinal World Cup qualifying. I'm not just reading off the make a case for Jeff Cameron, U.S. soccer. Uh, just you know, some, some, some thumbnail things. But no, I mean, look, I, I think this, this award frequently goes to an attacker, uh, which is totally understandable. I think, you know, Bobby Wood development is a great story. You see him winning. Um, you know, Michael Bradley, I think everyone hates, but I think is actually still the most important player on the U.S. team. Um but, you know, I think Cameron in 2016, he had a very, very solid year and sort of showed how important he's to that team. Uh, All right, let's go to, let's go to Daryl for his men's pick, and then we'll come back to you for the women's pick now. I think so. It hasn't exactly been a banner year for the U.S. national team, the men's national agree. team, right? I mean, there's the Copa America. Like, we had, what, three good games in a row? That sort of was the high point of the year. Um, so it's more for me, it's more an emotional pick. And I'm going to go Michael Bradley um, for the uh, rainbow armband that he wore at Copa yeah. America. And for being the captain when the U.S. and Mexico did that unity war before the um, the ill-fated U.S.-Mexico uh, World Cup qualifier. I like that. Okay, yeah. No, nothing to stand out on the field. Go with a guy who was the spiritual and emotional leader, perhaps yeah. for more than just the team, maybe for the country. <laughs> Noah, uh, your women's pick, again, Dunn, Heath, Lloyd, Morgan Sarbrun are your picks. Uh, I'm going to take Tobin Heath. Again, she's not going to win. But uh, yeah. I think, you know, for, like your style. for half a decade, uh, we've been waiting for sort of the the skill of Tobin Heath to emerge as a influential playmaker rather than just sort of the occasional phenomenal piece of skill that gets lost. Um, and I really think, especially in the second half of the year, she really emerged as a player who's going to be an attacking creative threat going forward and, and sort of a first choice starting 11 player and someone who really brings something different to that team um, with that flair that you've always, you've always seen the technical skill. It, it never really came together on the field for 90 minutes or really even like five minutes. But I, I think this year she kind of put it all together. And uh, I mean, maybe this is a, a pre-pick to the 2017 women's player. So maybe I'm a year early, but I'll take Tobin Heath. Daryl, would you care to pick someone who might win this year? And uh, <laughs> is your pick for this year instead of next year? Are you going to go out to 2017-2018 as well? So, I mean, I enjoyed Tobin Heath this year. I, I enjoyed the whole Tobinha phenomenon when yeah. she was uh, down in Brazil. Um, but I think, I think I'd go with Crystal Dunn just for being sort of someone who broke into the national team this year, at least a new face, not sort of a 2015 face. All right, staying current. I appreciate that, Daryl Grove. The last category is days being merry and bright. Guys, like I said, we've got a lot of bad news. We said 2016 wasn't a great year for, for the men's side of U.S. soccer, but, but the future looks good, right? Daryl, we'll start with you. Which young player are you most excited about coming through the ranks right now? Let's, let's get the, uh, the, the Polar Express hype train going. Which <laughs> so, young player is the most exciting? I'm, and this is just a recency bias, but I'm going with Andrew Carlton. Because um, I saw the US Under-17 games in the Nike International Friendlies. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed his sort of 
he's got like a, a cockiness and a flair on the wing, which I think you don't really see from US players all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, I did, I happened to see him play when he was 16 years old in the USL because Ch- uh, his Charleston team, he was with Charleston at the time, came to Richmond. And just the idea of seeing this 16 year old kid playing against grown men and then seeing that sort of confidence that he presumably got from from that taken into a tournament this summer and then uh summer it was it was last month right <laughs> this fall um it was just really exciting to see sort of this next generation of players coming through so it's not all about christian pulisic so we don't only have to think about him no you want to only think about pulisic or well, I, you got I, only, else I only want to think about him i mean i i think that his rise has been so phenomenal and you know i, I think he's already probably I don't know, the second or third best player on the senior team uh, in terms of what he does with the ball, on the ball, off the ball, both ways. Uh, you know, he's starting at, at Dortmund in the Champions League. Uh, you know, I, I, we have this tendency where we really don't want to overhype young players, and, and I get that. But I, I think he is almost – there's this weird level of excitement about him that I think is is too much. I think it's ridiculous when everyone tweets that he starts and stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. he just keeps getting better and better and better. And I almost think in some ways – what he's actually doing in you know done in a body of work in the last year 18 months is is actually sort of people aren't taking it uh, they're not making a big enough deal about the the body of work that he's amassed he's, because everyone is so focused on the individual yeah exactly talk about normalizing yeah should, it, should normal- he be should he be the US soccer sort of male player of the year i think if yeah. i'd been given him as an option that's who i would have voted for yeah, I mean, I, he's up for the Young Player Award, I'm pretty sure. I don't have those nominees in front of me. One other guy who's made a little bit of a splash recently is Josh Perez, of course, uh, still eligible for El Salvador, but, um, you know, playing in Italy, uh, the third American to play there in, in Serie A after Alexi Laws and Michael Bradley, which, of course, isn't bad company. Uh, there's an interview up on American Soccer now. Uh, Brian Skirta talked to him. And, uh, you know, pretty interesting and sort of saying the same things as, as Pulisic says, which is, you know, yeah, this is a dream come true and I'm excited to be here. And and that's so great that I'm getting these minutes. Uh, but at the same time, like, that's what I came here to do. You know, that's why I signed in Italy. So I think it's uh, certainly, you know, and we could go on. You mentioned the Nike friendlies, Daryl, the fact that the U.S. wins that. I, I, that's one thing that I was really and I, I mentioned this on the Klinsman show uh, that we did right after Jürgen Klinsman was fired, is that I feel like the youth. Talent is there, but the development maybe is not. And maybe, you know, now that Klinsman is out, who knows? But I think we might be able to see some better results at the youth level, which we really didn't see during his tenure at all. Anybody I, have I, any thoughts? I don't know. Yeah, I, that's interesting. Mine. I mean, I, no, I, I think that I, – I don't think that Klinsman is to blame necessarily. I, I think two things. I think one, uh, I've talked to Tab Ramos about this a bunch at the U20 level, and he's really – He's talked about how, you know, in the past couple cycles, you know, he's this is his third cycle, and he really feels like this cycle of players, the U20s now, are much more prepared and have had much more difficult situations when they were coming up through the youth ranks. And that's really made a difference in terms of them being prepared for, for big games and stuff like that. So I, I think we're going to start seeing a change in the results in some of the youth levels because the youth development has finally, I, I, they certainly haven't figured it out, but I think it's gotten to a place where there's the depth and there's the breadth and there's the, you know, enough coaching at the, at the younger levels where it is going to start making a change on some individual basis. And that's going to, that's going to come through on some of these teams. And I, I'm not sure how much Klinsman can be blamed for that. I also am not sure how much Klinsman should be, you know, credited for succeeding with that either. Um, but I think that's some things are, I think it's an exciting time to be, getting excited about these kids. And, and I think we are going to start seeing, you know, guys where it used to seem like 
people would get really excited about you know prospects and then they just wouldn't get any better and i think we're starting to see where they actually are these these 17 18 year old kids are continuing to improve and that, that to me that's really exciting that's what i was told these games yeah i'll give you this yeah. last word yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. I, I said I saw Andrew Carlton as a 16-year-old playing in professional soccer. Like He had the opportunity to do that because, because of the way things are set up, because of the, uh, the progress he's made. And I'd also say um, everybody keeps talking about how we need to like redo all the youth system in, in U.S. soccer. Like They have been working on new player development initiatives. Uh, I know Claudio Reyna, when he was the youth technical director in 2010, made some changes. So I think we're seeing the first sort of fruits of the changes that have been made in the last six years. So before we get to like ripping up youth development, maybe see what comes through from uh, the seeds we've planted recently. All right. Hopefully it's not barren and fallow as it would be in the winter. <laughs> but back to the holiday cheer. Guys, uh, excellent show today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, listeners. We appreciate you. Hopefully we'll squeeze one more in before Christmas, but, uh, but we'll have another theme and it'll be all good fun. Daryl, Noah, thanks for joining me today. And listener, hope you join us again next time on American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 minutes. Take care. Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas.